From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Crash Connell, Mary Danielson are here for our fresh new podcast, Friday, November 3, 2023, welcoming our frequency modulation listeners on the radios and online at Q90FM, Q90FM.com slash listen. And uh, recently we're covering some uh, more and more controversial topics. And as we get closer to 2024, we're probably going to be talking about those more, which means some of the uh, podcast feeds may be blocked. And so I wanted to put this out here on the radio. As long as we're going to be discussing issues Big Tech doesn't want us discussing, our sites will be getting attacked and interrupted. And uh, this week we had to put a uh, under-attack mode on our Status of the Truth page, and it wanted you to verify that you were a human. So folks were a little concerned, like, have you? is there a problem here? We're going, yep, just a little precaution, but we took it down, but we might have to put it up again. Mm-hmm. Because uh, sometime, I think it was last week, we are talking about Israel, and they came after us, uh, tried to shut us down. So if you do want to keep up with the latest audio podcast, you may have to leave your podcast app comfort zone for on occasion. If you're waiting for it to pop up on Apple or Google or Podbean or something like that, you're going, what's going on? Because I think the last one you can see on Spotify is October 30th, and we've had a few since then. Just remember, you can go to standupforthetruth.com slash podcast. Any time to get the latest, standupforthetruth.com. I know that's the old-fashioned way. I like using an app, but standupforthetruth.com slash podcast. So I, thank you, Mary. had to throw that out there. And also, uh, turn turn off your cell phones and no smoking. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're done with the house cleaning. <laughs> Make sure your seatbelts are buckled. Well, good morning. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth for this Friday. Um, glad to be back here. My guest is Jason Jimenez of Stand Strong Ministries. We had him on this fall with his book, Hijacking Jesus, which is a great apologetic book. Highly recommend that. But we're going to talk about parenting this morning, uh, and specifically parenting Gen Z. Studies suggest this is the most non-Christian generation in American history, and I... I can certainly see why that is, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to find out what that means, how it affects our families in just a couple of minutes. As a baby boomer myself, I can tell you a dozen significant things easily that are different about this culture from the one I was raised in. But nevertheless, humans uh, are being raised in that different culture. So there's people and lives and souls at stake, humans who still need Jesus um, but, you know, they show up at school and they worry about gun violence. I did not. So we are going to talk about all kinds of uh, differences and what the parents can do to make sure that they are being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ in their parenting and in everything they do. First thing, though, my scripture this morning, Proverbs 3, 1 to 8. If we're going to talk about parenting, you got to be in Proverbs. That's the parenting book. My son, do not forget my law. But let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Pray with me this morning. Lord, we are so very grateful that you received, uh, revealed, uh, that you've revealed eternal truths to us and given us your spirit to guide us through our lives, Lord, and to understand what it means to be led into all truth and led by you. Lord, you are the truth and thereby we know that there are absolutes that we can count on in these times. Lord, help us to be on the front lines of countering the lies of the world. Help us to make a difference. Um, we lift up Jason and Stand Strong Ministries, Lord. What a blessing they are to so many. We ask for continued strength for them, uh, endurance for all the needs to be met, um, Lord, for lives to be changed as a result of their labors for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Jason Jimena is the founder of Stand Strong Ministries, pastor, apologist, national speaker who has ministered to families for over 20 years he is the author uh, or co-author of several books, including Abandoned Faith, Stand Strong America, Stand Strong in Your Faith with Alex McFarland, and The Bible's Answer Answers to 100 of Life's Biggest Questions with Dr. Norm Geisler. Jason travels and speaks in churches and at conferences all over America. StandStrongMinistries.org. Again, this book is Parenting Gen Z, Guiding Your Child Through a Hostile Culture. Boy, is that an understatement. Jason, welcome back to Standard for the Truth. Mary, thanks for having me. It's a blessing to be with you guys. Uh, we love having you on here. What's new at Stand Strong? I see your website is is uh, just loaded with all kind of content. How would you direct people to the website specifically? What can we find there? Yeah, I mean, if they go to StandStrongMinistries.org, it's designed to help people who are searching for answers with their faith, um, how to respond to challenging conversations that they're having. We actually produce a podcast with Christian Post. And it's featured on different platforms like CBN and Faithwire and Washington Times. And that's really designed to address controversial topics. So if anybody listening, they're like, yeah, I, I have a lot of challenging conversations. <laughs> of course, most of them I don't want to get into. Yeah. We have uh, designed uh, you know, on our website uh, a show and some content to help people guide them. And that's based off of one of my books I wrote, Challenging Conversations. And there's videos and other different things that people can find very useful as they're learning what they believe and why they believe it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Yes, I do encourage people to go to StandStrongMinistries.org. So, Jason, we're going to talk about parenting, which is always a great topic, always a need for encouragement there, but specifically a certain age group. Um, tell us, who is Gen Z? I know maybe it's kind of fluid as far as the years go. I'm, I'm, I'm on the tail end of the boomers. My daughter is a... Gen X, I do believe, and it just goes mm -hmm, from there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't like labels necessarily, but I think it really helps because there is a big difference in the generations as time goes by uh, in post-war era here. So what? who is Gen Z? What years are we talking about? Yeah, so in the book we talk about, and this is something working with, you know, various psychologists and people who work with children who are specialists. Obviously, we partnered with Focus on the Family in Tyndale with um, our ministry, Stand Strong Ministries, we also linked arms with you know organizations like Summit Ministries and Impact 360 who work mm. with millennials and Gen Z. And so really Gen Z are people at the end of the 20th century. Going into the 21st century, they're really the new generation that ushered us in to this 21st century. And roughly around the election cycle of Donald Trump in 2015, 2016, that's the end of the Gen Z generation. Okay. So at that point... 
you know, sociologically speaking, you have a new fad, a new phase of generation known as Generation Alpha, or they're called COVID kids. Right? <laughs> so these are the <laughs> these are the kids, not because they had COVID, but for you know, because there again, there's a there's a certain marker or yeah. an event, yeah. you know, globally in this case, right, with COVID, that really defines the beginning of a generation. And so Gen Z, most of them now are in high school. So if you have a high schooler, if you have a middle schooler, uh, they're Gen Z. The oldest, obviously, of Gen Z, if you're doing the math, are graduating from college now. Oh, okay. And they're entering the workplace. Yeah, so they're the second largest generation, by the way, to millennials, who obviously came after Gen X, which I'm, I'm at the tail end of Gen X. Okay. So I'm the neglected generation, right? I was the one that was neglected. Um, you know, small generation, about less than 40 million. But Gen Z, they there's about 70-plus million Gen Zers in America. Well, so well. They, they have a huge following. You know, a lot of them are on TikTok and Instagram and you name it, all the different platforms. They're very divergent in their expression and also their beliefs. Um, they embrace sexual fluidity like no other generation before them. Um, and so, yeah, sadly, as you said, Mary, earlier, and this is something that I want people to really understand. And again, I, I, I know we can use some explosive terminology that we can, it kind of loses the weight um, of it, but the reality is they are the most post-Christian generation we've ever yeah. seen in American history. Wow! Yeah, I saw that on your, on your uh, the back of the uh, book talks about that, and um, that's a huge challenge right there because the parents themselves, and we'll get. I'd, I'd like to save that for a little bit down the road. Who are the parents of them? But you mentioned these uh, core traits of Z's, and you have mm-hmm. towards the beginning of your book, you have eight of them. And you mentioned already a divergent identity. Mm-hmm. Does that have to do with just sort of them being at the intersection of all these different uh, titles that we have for people, you know, transgender and, and cis mm-hmm. and all? Is, is that because they grew up with so many labels? Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> what I do, which is, is important, is I'm sure a lot of the people listening have heard of 21 Pilots. You know, they're, they're a band, and they're known as the Gen Z band, right? So they're the, okay. they're the band of Generation, Gen, you know, Generation Z. And they themselves obviously are are you know probably um, the the lower end of the millennials. Tyler's the lead singer. There's only two members of the band. Josh is the is the drummer, but they have a classic. One of their it, I mean it, it received a lot of uh, uh, awards a few years ago called Blurry Face. The album and the song Blurry Face was a hit. It's still you can still you know hear it all over the place. But blurry face is an unusual description of something. And what it really captures in the writing of Tyler, the song, is, again, just that you don't know. You have a lost identity. Things are very blurry. Mm. Things are not very concrete. Um, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, transient movements within uh, people's walk of life, their, their faith, spirituality, uh, relationships come and go. Um, and then living back in the past when you had no worries or you were not filled with anxiety, and now all you are filled with is anxiety mm. and stress. And so Blurry Face takes on an image, if you will, that a lot of Gen Z have picked up and have not only notified, but they can relate to. Mm. And so individualistically, Blurry Face becomes their own descriptive nature of who they are or what they believe. And so that's one thing to understand when we're talking about divergent identity. And of course, okay. the, the classic book and movie, Divergent. Yes. You know that. You know that's also when when you're, you're categorized and different. You know you have a specialty and why you exist. 
And so that's one thing that's very true among Gen Z that they're trying to explore. But one thing I want people to understand is even though there's a lot of uncertainty religiously and even sexually among Gen Z, and again, 12 million of them come from single homes, and 83% of them are raised by a single mom. Wow. But yet, despite this, what we're seeing among Gen Z, because I, I don't want to leave people like, oh, Gen Z, it's a lost cause. Right, you know what I mean? right. No, that's not the case. No. You know, um, they're very diverse in their ethnicity, obviously, with different families. I'm biracial, so I came from a very mixed culture growing up between my mom and my dad. My mom's from Midwest. My dad's his family's from Mexico. So culturally, we had different cultures, different social structures. Different. We, one was Catholic and one was Southern Baptist. You know, even just religiously, there's different backgrounds. And it's, there's beauty in that diversity. So that's one thing that's so attractive to Gen Z is, is the diversity that you have with them, not just ethnically and nationally, but also pertaining to their points of view. But I also want people to understand, Mary, it's so important, is they're very creative. They're very engaging people in their personality. I just came back from Oklahoma, and I spent time teaching four lectures with Gen Z and let me tell you something. They were engaged. They were proactive. They were respectful. And they were critically thinking through things. Now, obviously, that's unique among the population of Gen Z. Mm-hmm. But what it points to is that there is a desire for them to want to understand emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually truth. Well, well, that, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing because you'd expect uh, that sort of instability and fluidity that you're talking about um, would maybe come from a lack of absolute truth. But God put, you know, that vacuum is in all of us and that that mm-hmm. desire to know God. So that's that's actually really encouraging that they they do want to know truth and they, they are curious and creative. I think uh, the boomers were very curious and creative as well. It, that's That's very encouraging. And they're also moving towards a more global system when i was young it was it was this is the us this is our president this is what we do and this is how we do it the us was still uh, on the top of the heap in, uh, internationally but now they're going to be global citizens so they have to sort through all that besides and that diversity lends towards that and we did not have to navigate any kind of globalism and so that can be a good thing and probably not such a great thing in light of prophecy but you also one of one of the traits also is religious uncertainty um i know they have access to media obviously morning noon and night um and there are so many anti-christian sentiments out there so do you feel that their religious uncertainty stems from from the just the technology that they're exposed to all the time yeah, I mean, that's one thing that we start to see with millennials as they, right, as more came and technology advanced, and iPhone was coming out, and, you know, and then they had that direct access, and then with that came all these social media platforms mm-hmm. from Facebook on. And so one thing that you've seen is that they're, they're getting access or listening or being affected by worldview perspectives that they would not normally start interacting with until their high school year yeah. or college. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, so one, in that sense, remember, they're trying to formulate their ideas. And one of the things that we saw in our studies, again, was that by 13, that child's behavior is established, and so is their worldview. So what that means wow. is, by the time they're leaving fifth grade, if we didn't reach them with the gospel and establish a, a, a robust biblical understanding of Scripture, and they have that knowledge, and it can explain the nature of God, the nature of humanity, the origin of sin, um, what salvation is, and the second coming of Jesus, 
built on a belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we, then it's going to be very difficult to reach that person as they go into middle school and high school. Mm. And then the other thing with Gen Z, it's not just social media, but first and foremost, and this is something that we have just accepted in our culture but overlooked, but broken family has is the biggest cause and contribution to the religious uncertainty because most parents who profess to even be Christian, one, a lot of them are not. Mm. Okay, so it's just a cultural mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And number two, if they in fact have put their faith and trust in Jesus, they haven't really grown. And only 4% of them have a biblical worldview. So when you have failed marriages, I just counseled with a couple yesterday who are divorced, but they thankfully have come together to help their son, who is a older Gen Z, who's been drinking heavily and has been hospitalized and has been suicidal. Mm. And they're desperate for help. And of course, they've come to our ministry on multiple occasions to, to get resources. And they happen to live locally and have reached out to me and I was able to meet with them. That's not something I'm able to do as much as I would like to, but I was able to to do this for this couple. And one of the things I found, again, Mary, is there's just a lot of religious uncertainty even with this couple, even through their divorce. And even why did they get divorced? You know, why did they even get married in the first place, right? So, that, mm. so a lot of parents have made really, really dumb decisions, unfortunately, and yeah. punished themselves instead of running to the arms of Jesus Christ and understanding what God's calling for their life really is and living that as a, as an example, as a model to their kids. So most Gen Z's have never seen that type of model of faith, even going through adversity, even going through trials. And so when they lack resilience and the understanding of it and what faith actually looks like to grow, to build character and hope, then they become hopeless. Sure. And that's what we're seeing with Gen Z. Wow. Would you say that they, um, I mean, I think a lot of the older among us have had great childhoods and we were allowed to be children. Now, when you talk about the information they're exposed to, mm-hmm. uh, that they are too immature to actually make good decisions about or to parse through or critically think, not that they're not smart, but they don't have the worldly experience or, or uh, emotional maturity. Um, I mean, would you say that they are, they've kind of been lacking a childhood and have been forced to grow up a little, a little sooner than previous generations? Yeah, I mean, and the sad thing is going to that, and I have four Gen Zers. I have a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I are in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of our, obviously, peers, uh, you know, have millennials and Gen Z as well. But the thing is, when you're looking at a lot of these kids, again, when you say they're growing up fast, it's because of the technology, right? Things are moving fast. That's why if you notice, mm-hmm. like, from previously to baby boomers, after World War II, from the greatest generation... Typically, sociologically, generations were about 30 years long. Now it's less than Mm. 20. Mm. And one of the reasons for that is because the fast pace of information and technology. Now think about artificial intelligence. Yeah. And so that's one sense. But what's unfortunate, though, to to Gen Z that we see that's really bared within their identity is that they don't have the skills and the fortitude to understand that type of information. And so... Mm. They're not growing up fast, meaning they're not maturing fast based on their age and progressing educationally and obviously, as we pointed out, spiritually. So that right there, we can't I don't I want to separate the two as you as you as you I think appropriately were pointing out, Mary, because that doesn't mean, yeah, that they're growing up fast and they're taking on full responsibility. When you look at previous generations at 12 and 13, they were a young adult, whereas now and this generation with what's called, you know, the, the slow progression of aging is that by 26, 27, now they're considering a young man an adult, hmm. right? 
because you're not fully formulated. Yeah. And that's when you see a lack of resilience. So, yeah, that's definitely true. And the last thing I want to point out, too, that I think would really hit home to a lot of people listening, and this comes from my dear friend, Dr. Kathy Cook, who runs Celebrate Kids, it's also the lies that they're being taught at a young age. For example, there's a five lies, if I can, very quickly. Yes. I'm the center of my own universe. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. But mm-hmm. that's what they're learning. I deserve to be happy all the time. That's a lie. Um, I must have the right. I, I make my choices. Right. That's a lie. I'm my own authority. That's a lie. And number five, information is all I need. Mm. You know, meaning in terms of like, if I have access to social media and the Internet, that's all I need. Wow. And I'm my own teacher. That's a lie. Wow. So when you have a generation being raised with these lies, now, is it being taught by their, their parents necessarily? No. It's yeah. just a cultural thing of acceptance when you deny God and you're anti-Christian. Yeah. This is the false views that are demonic that our kids are learning wherever they're getting it from. Um, and, and that's what we have to combat against. So, yeah, as they're aging fastly in terms of information, the information they're receiving are teaching them things that are not true to yeah. God. And they're not just lies. They are dangerous spiritual lies because there is no way that, you know, the Bible, of course, doesn't teach that we are the center of the universe, that we will or can or should be happy all the time, um, that, you know, my choices rule, um, that I don't need authority, info is all I need. I mean, those are dangerous spiritual lies, mm-hmm. too. So it it's also affects their um, their soul, their eternity. Um, and this kind of leads into the next uh, core trait of Z's, the sexual fluidity and that affirmation they seem to need. They're so sensitive to other people's opinions of them, mm-hmm. their outward appearance, uh, whether they're in the right body, all these things. None of us, ooh, I, none of us ever thought of those things, really. We weren't allowed to think of those things, number one. But it never dawned on uh, the older among us to even think in those terms. So those particular things that you mentioned also lead to that sexual fluidity. That's really a dangerous one. Would you say that that's the case? It's a very dangerous one because, again, when we look at scripturally, and this is our biblical understanding, that we're made in the image of God. If, if, if a young person is calling that into question, you know, again, God to them could be, uh, you know, a God of many, like mm-hmm. polytheism, or mm-hmm. God is in the world as the world is in God, and they take a very... Eastern uh, ritualistic understanding of a deity or something that's transcendent or we're all becoming the absolute consciousness of the world, like all this kind of nonsense stuff. And I've had a lot of people who profess to be Christian are teaching new spirituality things. But when they're taking this false view of God, they're going to take a false view of who they are then because mm-hmm. they don't know where they came from. Wow. And then again, when it's if it's a blank slate, then and they believe they're their own authority and they get to make their own choices, in this case, determine their own gender, which we would say as biblical Christians, we believe that gender is, is synonymous to sex, yeah. someone's biological sex. And, yeah. of course, we see in Scripture, he made them male and female. And so when you can override, supposedly, right, which we know is completely false and it's contrary to reality, mm-hmm. but I could determine my own sex, right, that I feel a certain way, that is becoming the trump card that a lot of Gen Z people are using. And again, when they don't know what authority is, and they are sensitive, we call the sometimes they refer to them as microaggressions. So when they <laughs> feel threatened mm-hmm. by something, if I may, I'm going to give an example, actually, Mary. I wasn't planning mm-hmm. on saying this, Go ahead. but this speaks to what we're dealing with here. And I was on vacation with my family, and we went to go get... Uh, a Dairy Queen thing. Sometimes listen to me on. I'll be honest. I love a good Dairy Queen. <laughs> it's hot, and we're like, hey, let's go, let's go, cool ourselves down. I took my older brother was with us on vacation, and one of my sons. And the service was not good. 
and sadly was being run by a bunch of teenagers. Their hospitality was non-existent. I'm not saying this is the case for all of them, right? Because I, I spend a lot of time with this generation. And like, as I was mentioning, a lot of them are very respectful. But it got to a point where we were not being served. They messed up our order, and I needed to talk to somebody. And then immediately the guy's like, it's not, not my fault. I'm not taking responsibility of anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even was, you know, I wasn't even calling him out. The manager gets involved. And as I was explaining to him, my son was standing right there with me and my brother, and I hadn't gotten my order, and they had messed up on it, you know, so I still wasn't getting when they were trying to, to fix it, and they weren't taking responsibility. And the manager put her hand at me and says, get your hand out of my face. <laughs> and it was immediately she felt threatened just because I was correcting what they had done wrong, but I was not yelling. I wasn't wow. threatening. And that was just a prime example is that this, this not only a language sensitivity with these yeah. microaggressions that they yeah. feel threatened or you can't say that. I mean, they're, they're part of the cancel culture. That's one thing Gen Z feel, that they feel this cancel culture, that that's their mission. That's the right social justice. So anything they feel that is a threat to them. And so in this case, because I was gently as, a, as an adult and a parent and a customer, mm-hmm. when I was correcting their mistake and trying to make it work, right? Um, they wouldn't have it. And so she felt immediately threatened and shut down the whole conversation to even the point where they didn't even want to serve me anymore. Wow. Thankfully, I did get my thing. And, of course, I, I exercised my First Amendment rights, and I left a horrible review. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, right. you know, but that's the sad reality of what we're dealing with is with this level of sensitivity. Wow. And that language sensitivity, you know, we might call it being triggered, it really is the end game of political correctness. We've been suffering with political correctness since sometime in the late 80s, early 90s. You can say this, you can't say mm-hmm. that. And it has morphed into something that is just... Uh, it's actually quite vicious. Uh, uh, we only have a couple minutes before the break, but I want to talk about their progressive mentality. They're very issue-driven. I would call this just the woke, wokeness, which to me is just mm-hmm. toxic in every level that we find it. But then I think about, well, what about Christianity? Would they then find Christianity narrow, intolerant, and bigoted? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus. And that's just one level of absolute in the Bible. But... um do you find that they find Christianity narrow and intolerant and they're unable with this indoctrination to embrace it? Yeah, because at the heart of it, and this is what we have to understand now, is it's a level of tribalism. Ooh. And then this tribalism, this mindset that they have with this progressive mentality. So what they believe is that they've actually have become a 2.0 version of America or of human rights or the 2.0 version of mm. what's known as I wrote in Hijacking Jesus, progressive Christianity. Like we've achieved a higher understanding and truth yeah. than what the ancient rigid Christians believed. And so at the heart of it, there is a mentality of victimization yeah. within yeah. this tribalism. And so when they look at Christianity, they believe, yes, Christianity, if you take a literal interpretation they take that, as Jesus says, God, they take that as a rigid, dogmatic, narrow-minded position that is old-fashioned and is not, it is, it's antiquated, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's not something that is suffice for today. Mm-hmm. And so many Gen Z people believe and feel liberated with their progressive mentality and this tribalism okay. that they are actually removing that from our culture and they believe that mm. it's for the greater good. Interesting. And to me, it's virtue signaling perfected. Um, it's a mm. version of self-righteousness that we call it virtue signaling. 
But um, yeah. that's pretty much where we're at. Uh, this is Mary Danielson. You're listening to Stand Up for the Truth with Jason Jimenez, Parenting Gen Z. Very interesting conversation, and we're going to come back shortly. I want to talk about um, technology and social media and how that's impacting parenting. And then we also want to talk about how parents can parent these young people. There are so many things out there. Uh, if you take a, a survey on them about the workplace, I know Crash alluded to that. Well, we want a boss that'll give us mental health support. Well, what does that mean? You know, we would never have thought to ask that when we had our first jobs. There's no way. We just, we went to work. We did what we were told. Um, and so there are just so many differences. So we're going to talk about technology, um, the attention span of this particular generation, and how in the world can parents navigate this? And the back of the book just says uh, parents these days are in panic mode. Well, why are they in panic mode? I think we've covered a little bit of that as we've gone here, but we're going to continue to talk about that and really be an encouragement to parents of any generation because human beings are human beings. Uh, they are lost outside of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, which is the number one overriding thing that we want to make sure they do not leave our homes without understanding that. So thank you so much for being with me in the first half. StandStrongMinistries.org is the uh, website of Jason. Many resources, podcasts, videos, uh, encouragement for you parents. So we are going to be back in just a couple of minutes with part two with Jason E. Menace, Parenting Gen Z. I hope you'll stay with us. And while you're thinking about it, check out us. Check out our YouTube page, Q90FM Radio, Parent Ministry of Stand Up For The Truth, Q90FM Radio. Subscribe and get video versions of the podcast as well. Coming up in two minutes, more Stand Up For The Truth. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for this Friday. We are with Jason Jimenez from StandStrongMinistries.org. And we are talking about parenting Gen Z, guiding your child through a hostile culture. And boy, that says it all if you ask me. Uh, Jason, I want to talk about technology and social media and how they impact parenting. We already know they're addicted to their devices. When I was in my 20s, VCRs came out, all right, and they were $1,000 to get an early, early VCR. There was there were beta and machines. And that was the black and white version. Yeah, and there were... <laughs> <laughs> the Fred Flintstone version. Uh, and they they were, um, crash, you got black and white. Thousand dollars. Thousand bucks. And it was just a basic, they came out with beta first, and then they came out with the regular VCR. And then um, when I got married, a basic desktop computer at the Best Buy with really no power or memory whatsoever was $1,500. You got nothing for that $1,500 except oh. eight megabytes, which Windows took up. All of that. And there were no laptops. I mean, so talk about your Stone Age. Um, but now they presume that they are going to have the latest and greatest technology and laptop, which is really alarming to me. And I think uh, we talk about the attention span of the average Z is eight seconds. So uh, I, I'm going to ask you, is that directly the result of um, all the social media? And how does that translate into actually reading a book or sitting down and reading the Bible? How does that translate? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you just, you just dated yourself there, Mary, so I appreciate <laughs> that. So, you know, the VCR stuff, I, you know, I tell the story, it just reminded me, I remember in the book when I was thinking about it, like, could you imagine growing up in high school 
and you have a thousand to fifteen hundred dollar phone in your pocket. Yeah. Like first off, we didn't even phones like that. You know what I mean? Were very rare. Maybe your friend had a his dad had a car phone because mm-hmm. he was a sales guy, right? Right. Um, but you know, you have a pager, and you had to go find a you know someone's house or you know or telephone you know to 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 call somebody, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing to see the technology today with people having. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, what we were talking about in the last segment, when you have a lack of resilience and understanding in this information age that we are to process and to actually fully understand, I mean, we're stat driven and now with AI, you don't have to think. You can have computers or you can put a code in to get a result. Um, you know, going to the library, right, and searching, I mean, that still obviously exists to some degree. But not when you have chat GPT and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. at your disposal. Um, you know, I have two kids in college and they even tell me some of their friends how they how they again take notes or don't take notes and they're not only last minute, but they lack comprehension, don't remember anything. Some of them will sit there and record the the professor mm-hmm. to listen to it later because they can't really process sitting in a class looking at a teacher on a you know, with a screen in front of them. Mm. Now, part of that is because, again, going to Millennials and Gen Z, and just as I was leaving um, uh, a restaurant the other day, there was a young couple, and they had two kids, and both kids had their own devices with their own unique stands with headphones on. Some parents these days, they don't care. They'll just blare whatever their kids are watching, whatever game they're playing, and you're in public, and you're like, I don't want to sit there and have a, yeah. have a meal with my family and listen to your kids playing a video game. Yeah. Right? Whatever happened to sitting there having communication and conversation. So kids growing up with these devices, yes, does shape the brain. Okay, that's a fact. That w- That's what we're seeing. One of the things that, and I report in my book about Common Sense Media, they do continual reporting globally on looking at what what the effects that media is having on children. So yes, that is affecting their comprehension. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing when you're looking at a device to learn information from. We already have known this as a fact. It is way different than when you're processing it from a book yeah. or an actual video that comes from a series. So mm-hmm. reading from your device, particularly your iPhone, is not as effective. And number two, you're not learning because you're not comprehending. You're not retaining the information. Mm-hmm. And then as we were noting in the book, when we're talking about this eight-second span, what, they're, what they've been trained to because they were put in, you know, for entertainment, they were putting a device into their hands. It's one thing when you put your kid in front of a TV. It's another when they actually hold a device that has se- several different apps that can lead them down a trail of different things. Yeah. Right, so it's endless. Matter of fact, that's also created anxiety in people. Just like when we've looked at studies, and that's one thing that Costco has been a huge benefactor to a lot of people because they don't give you a lot of variety. They don't give you choices in terms of ketchup. They don't give you a lot of variety when it comes to cereal. But you go to other grocery stores, and people can't make a decision. There's too many choices to make. And so when things are that complicated, they get too technical, and people shut down. So when it comes to actually devices and all the apps and all the different ways they could be quote unquote entertained, they get anxious. Mm. They don't know what to do. Should I look at Instagram? Should I go to Instagram and play a game? Should I go to play a game to texting? Should I go to texting to watch something on YouTube? And so yeah, over time as they get older and older and older under this type of regime technologically, this obsession overrides their ability to communicate and to comprehend. Mm. And that makes perfect sense. Jason Jimenez, Jimenez, how do you say your last name? Jimenez. Jimenez. All right. Stand Strong Ministries. I saw 
on Facebook, uh, they do these reels. It looks like Reels is basically an aggregator for Instagram and also TikTok. Mm-hmm. But now I, I haven't tried it, but I've been seeing it lately. It says, delete all the apps off your phone and delete and add this one, and it will do all the work of all your others. All you have to do is say into, the, into your device, this is what I want, and it will go get it for you. Have you heard about it? It's some app that wow. they said, delete all your apps off your device, and this is the only one you'll ever need. Going back to what you're saying, and I even remember when we were first doing apps here at our radio station, and we were trying to get some feedback from millennials back then, and they were saying that it's going to be harder and harder to come up with new apps because they don't want all these choices. Wow. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Had to throw that out Yeah, that's why, by the way, to that point, it's one reason why Facebook, not just for money, obviously it's all about money. But it's also about a monopoly is to buy out other platforms so they can keep the algorithm and keep them focused on whatever. That's why we have these notifications. It's all designed to constantly get their attention when they're not wanting to be on an app. How do you draw them back to that app? Right. And so there's a psychology that's going on. There's a brainwashing that's going on there. You know, so whatever they're trying to be you know, focused on, they're distracted by all those other apps. And so, yeah, over time, just like what happened to streaming device, when they used to binge watch things, over time they realized, oh, my gosh, we're spending too much money because people are getting bored and they're watching this stuff too fast. So then they started to go back to now dropping an episode per week, right, to try to keep their attention span and their focus on whatever app, Apple TV, you know, Amazon Prime. So even all these multi-billion dollar companies are realizing that it's so difficult to keep their attention and keep them entertained and coming back. Wow. And so this is this is really shaping out a new generation where, again, not just distraction, but boredom. Remember, mm-hmm. when we were talking about kids when we were younger, what did you do when you had nothing to do? You figured it out, right? You, right. you, you would go out and explore outside or you'd call a friend or go down the street or ride a bike. You know, you're doing something that was was outdoors usually, exploring in nature mm-hmm. and daydreaming. Nowadays, mm-hmm. young gener- this younger generation, even though they're creative in terms of innovation with technology, that's one of the areas that they do lack, mm-hmm. is the ability to actually work through being bored. And one of the things my, my, my wife and I have strategically done through the years with our four kids is purposely get them to be bored and knowing that it's not my job and my responsibility to entertain my kids all the time. That's very important. And that that's, goes back. that's very good because I sometimes I tell my son, sometimes you just have to be bored. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah I don't want to be bored. bored. And, that, and that goes, and the other thing I would say is making sure that they don't have, they don't have exposure to a device at any given time yep. when they are bored. They could just go to it. Yep. There has to be restrictions. Yep, yep, boundaries. Well, this cultural engineering is is also what's going on behind the scenes because what you're talking about is really rewiring brains and and um, force feeding and I don't even know if there's a word for it. I'm sure there is, but this cultural engineering and living on sound bites is very dangerous because you you you're not critical thinking and you don't have any context for what you're hearing. If you hear something in the news about the Holocaust or World War II or whatever, I find that the young people take that at face value, and they don't do any uh, research of their own. They don't understand the context around that particular thing. They take it for right out of the gate for what it's worth, and that becomes truth because they don't want to think past these sound bites. Is is that why? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's partly true. One of, one of the things that, 
to your point, if in fact, let's, let's do this. It's not just a level of entertainment. A lot of times it's feeling despair or lonely. And so mm-hmm. what do you fill that with? Mm-hmm. That's music is number one. But mm-hmm. the good thing is I want parents to understand and grandparents listening. They want to talk to somebody. Now, again, that's, that's, that's below 25%. So the mo- most Gen Zers maybe don't want to talk. I mean, deep down they probably do, but if that's not something that you've taught them how to do and an eye to eye communication regularly, mm-hmm. then what you've just trained them to do is that, you know, like again, if a dad doesn't really talk things out and just buries it, well, and you have a son or even a daughter and there's not, not affection or it's not about calling things out all the time. It's about strategically and purposefully and intentionally with sensitivity understanding that there's something off or something different with your child and instead of saying, what's wrong with you? That's not an effective way to communicate to anybody, especially a parent to a child. What you want to ask is saying, Hey, Hey Tim, I've noticed that you're not yourself lately. Is everything okay? Is there anything I could do to help you? You know that I love you. Right. And approach it that way. And, And the thing that I think every single parent and guardian and grandparent needs to ask themselves as I spent time with a grandfather yesterday um, who has great grandchildren, and he was even sh- telling me how he intentionally still engages his grandkids and his, and his grand great grandkids. I'm like, that's awesome. He's a patriarch. Yeah. What a blessing to have a generational blessing. But yeah. what even he's asking the question as a grandfather is, what are my kids and grandkids and great grandkids? What are they learning when they're on these devices? Why are they on these devices? And ultimately, what it really is, it's not to be entertained. Yeah. It's, hmm. it's, it's not to fulfill time to, to, or to fill time. It's because they're lonely. Yeah. That's the main reason. They're lonely. And hmm. they're searching for purpose and they're searching for identity. And they're living through whatever they're watching or looking at. They're living through that, that experience. And, of course, most of us know that those experiences, those snapshots of life, if you will, mm-hmm. they're not ultimately real. They're staged or they're artificial. Or it's somebody gimmickly trying to portray something that right. isn't real. Yes. So that's that's what we have. That's a reality. And you know what? Young kids are not just doing it. Their parents are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like putting them in front. Of, it's really similar to putting them in front of a television 24 hours a day. Because when we were kids, we could watch this or that, even on summer vacation. Turn that off and get outside. Yep. That was huge. And we did. We spent all our hours outside on summer vacation. Um, but it is no different and it is, it is not reality. And, and so to draw them into actual conversations is so important. They will never have real relationships or a marriage or anything unless they can actually have a conversation with people. So what you're saying is actually really rather frightening. Um, you know, I noticed in your book here, uh, I love in this early chapter of parenting, a look at the parents raising Gen Z. That's the chapter. A look at the parents raising Gen Z. And you say that there are substantial disparities in age and experience among the parents. And so um, some of them have a little bit of a leg up if their parents are a little bit older. But who are some of the people? I mean, what's the age group here uh, and the philosophies? What are the differences in those that are raising Gen Z? Yeah, so this was actually important. This is something when I did Abandoned Faith, those are for parents of millennials. So these are mainly baby boomers. Um, what was what was unique about Gen Z, unlike that generation raising predominantly millennials, is that the people raising Gen Z actually go back to some of them being at the tail end of baby boomers because a lot of them have been remarried multiple times oh, yeah. and have married younger and 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 even have maybe they could still have kids at their age or they adopted or they have blended families right, which is very common. 
Um, and then, of course, a lot of them have millennial kids who um, had a child out of wedlock and are still living at home. And so then they have three generations living in the home. And so those grandparents are taking care of their child, their adult child, and their grandchild. So that has become a very common thing. So those are older Gen X parents. And those are, again, the, the parenting style is, again, very responsible and very involved in the life of the child and maybe have a more of a traditional approach. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have the younger Gen X parents, and these ones come from a lot of divorce. And they become very dependable and reliable, whether they're a divorced parent or not. Um, but they're still involved in, the, in their family. A lot of them are remarried, though. Um, and they have this idealistic, like things will work out in the end. But they lack a biblical worldview, uh, and it's very, very, um, it's, I would say it's a lot lower. Uh, and it's very obvious with them compared to previous generations when you had the greatest generation and the baby, baby boomer generation who are very spiritually engaged with their kids and, and not just went to church regularly. Yeah. The father was there instructing them. And then the last two age groups that are raising Gen Z, are, again, are the millennial ones, the older ones who are in their 40s now. They're going into their 40s, and the younger ones are in their late 20s. And they have kids. And they their style of parenting is very agreeable. This is when they, they don't mm-hmm. take a... And again, I wouldn't say an authoritarian position, because that could be seen in a lot of the styles as, as very dictatorial and, and not appropriate, you know, not parenting with grace. So I would say they lack the authority as a parent, um, and they're trying to be kind of a, a friend, um, and they don't really discipline their way is is talking things out and understanding the feelings and the emotions of their child or they don't address anything at all yeah right, right? because they don't know how to they don't know how wow. to they weren't themselves parented uh, appropriately so that's the style and that's the different groups where you have a lot of older parents raising gen z that are t- multiple times and they're just trying to survive. Sure. And then you got the younger uh, parents who are raising Gen Z who are just trying to be relatable to their kid mm-hmm. and give them everything they possibly can because they think in that, in that parenting style, if I can give everything my kid I think needs, the best programs, the best devices, you know, because Timmy has something at school, I want Jimmy to have it. And so they go out there and buy it, and they just put it on the credit card. Like that's what a lot of you Gen Z are doing, mm. and we would call that traditionally spoiling your child, but it's more than that. It's it's trying to give an advantage. It's trying to provide everything for your child because you think if I do that, then they're going to succeed and have a better life in the future. Mm. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. I can see a lot of problems with that in the workplace as they get older, and if they don't discipline their kids, now you're sending your darlings out into the workplace of adults, and it's left to someone else to raise what's left of the raising of that child, which I think just frustrates a lot of older people uh, immensely. But uh, you know, you mentioned here in this particular uh, chapter on who is raising these kids, one of the first things you might notice is the percentage of parents who have a biblical worldview drops significantly with each subsequent group. That's a problem. Yeah, it's it's a huge problem, and that's something where, again, if you were just to go back to parents who were raising their kids back in the 60s and 70s, and again, this is no Internet. Yeah. This is this is having a local church, which are predominantly very small, right, less than 300 people, but they're Bible-believing churches. These people faithfully read their Bible. They raise their kids in the memorization of Scripture, and, and programs like Awana started to come out, and other programs, of course. You know, you had about 40%. Right, still less than half of Christian families who had a robust, solid biblical worldview, but a lot of them, you know, 
they stayed married and they raised their kids in God's word and it, and it, and they saw fruit from that yeah. you know because in their kids would would we call it transferable faith they would have that transferable faith that was modeled and taught to them while the next generation unfortunately though again because then you see the 60% of parents some of them professing to be Christian or religious, you know, they go to church on Easter, Christmas Eve kind of stuff, because that was still happening 40, 50 years ago. You know, so there was this re- religious framework, but it wasn't something that was transferable. And so now the next generation, it drops from 40% to about 25 to 30%. And then the millennial generation, you're seeing a biblical worldview of about less than 20%. So notice something. Every generation, you're knocking 15 to 20% off. And mm-hmm. so now when you're having Gen Z who some of them are getting out of college, and I've actually even talked to some of them who are engaged. We're going to be going to a wedding of a Gen Z couple in May. They're both going to be 20 years old, and they're getting married young. Of course, obviously, it's very rare. Yeah. But when you look at them, they both come from broken families. They both are Christian, but they both could not even give you the 66 books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So could you imagine a generation raised among Gen Z who have 10 to 12% biblical worldview, and the next five to 10 years, that Gen Z couple, right, who don't have a solid biblical worldview, imagine the generation they're going to be raising with Generation Alpha and others to come, what's going to be the biblical worldview? And I think that's, if we don't do what God has called us to do, Mary, I think what's going to be happening is you're going to see an anti-Christian nation where Already, we're seeing a false view of Jesus, right, that mm-hmm. I talked about in Hijacking Jesus, where he's a mystic, you know, he was an insurrectionist, he's a woke teacher, but he's not God. Mm-hmm. That is the majority view in America. Wow. Could you imagine now removing 10, 15 years now with that generation mm-hmm. that is now anti-Christian, mm-hmm. who, who advanced cancel culture, what they're going to be raising? Mm-hmm. So this is very significant that we need to be seeing. I was teaching this, and one, one parent during Q&A time, he was so upset and he took responsibility. He said, this is why I'm doing this conference, because I need to grow, and I need to learn, I need to be a better spiritual leader. And mm-hmm. I thanked him for that, for his honesty. He says, but Jason, if this is true, what you say, and all your data, he's like, why isn't the church doing more to stop it? Hmm. And that's a good question. It why is. isn't the church doing more? Jason, we've got about four minutes left. Let's uh, let's wrap this up this podcast with some hope. We've got to uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. I think God... When he told us to go out and make disciples, he knew there's going to be all these generation gaps and stuff like that. We, how, how, what do we do? How do we, what do we start doing to get the word out? The big, yeah, the biggest thing that I would encourage people to do, and a lot of times people think, oh my gosh, it's just, it's, it's, it, I, I can't talk to my my child anymore. Mm-hmm. They walked away from the faith, went to college, whatever. And that is true. And again, they can go to our ministry. There's a lot of resources. There's summit ministries that exist that I teach at uh, year after year to to train up their kids, to help them to come alongside them. We have resources for parents who do base camps to get them better educated. Mm-hmm. I encourage parents listening to go to their church and tell them about what we're talking about on, on this show, to, to come alongside the pastors. There's a great amount of information help. But what I would tell people also to do is, you know what? Open your home, model the faith, start a prayer group, start a little Bible study, grab some of these Gen Zers, grab some of these millennials, and it, and it can just—it doesn't have to be a lot. It could start with two or three of them, and make it make yourself available to mentor them, to disciple mm-hmm. them, as you're just saying with the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Most Christians don't even do that, so they're always wondering, like, "Oh my gosh, it's—it's—it's—I'm—I'm it's, I'm just so discouraged." I'm like, "Listen, first and foremost, yes." We are called for such a time as this, Acts chapter 17. God doesn't make mistakes. 
So you're here for a reason. He's giving you the children, the grandkids for a reason. Yep. The question is, is are you being steadfast and using your spiritual gifts and the faith that God has given you to mold and shape them in the culture that we're living in? So yes, people feel like they're lost in the maze right now. I get that. Yeah. And that's why I wrote the book. But there's hope and healing that they can find and knowing that God wants to use you as a model of faith. And one of the things that we want to be showing this generation is even when we've messed up, even when we've lost sight of the faithfulness of God, even when we've blown our witness, or maybe we lived a hypocritical life, or maybe a dad's listening says, I never led my kids the way I should have, and it would have, could have, should have, if I could do it all over mm-hmm. again. There's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Ask for forgiveness and go back to that young generation. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them how, how excited you are to be a part of their life and that you want to be a mentor. You want to be somebody who wants to speak truth into their life and then have those weekly eye-to-eye communications. That is another thing that is so, so important. Mm-hmm. And one thing pa- families can do right now is at least once or twice a week, if you can, if your kids are still living under your roof, have dinner together and talk about life. Yeah, yeah. Jason, I'm so glad you said all those things because we we are not equipped as parents necessarily, depending on, on what our parents modeled to us. You get to that point, you have this, this person, and it dawns on you what a responsibility it is, and you can just freak right out or you can get on your knees and if you don't know the Bible and you don't know Scripture and you don't have a, a decent worldview, I mean, that's what we're here for. That's what you're here for is to equip and set sail from here. I mean, open your Bible. Start, you know, don't be discouraged. God loves your kids more than you do. And that is an absolute truth that really rang true with me at when my daughter was young. God loves her more than I do. And so he is going to be faithful. And there's always something that parents can do. The, the show is not, it, it wasn't designed to freak you out. It is designed to sh- expose and equip, yep. and that's why we have uh, people on like like uh, yeah. like th- this all the time. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for for all of those because you can do the like you said the dinner time. You can also do a, a weekly if start weekly prayer time together, sure. weekly Bible studies yeah. in the home. Start small. Just start now. Yep, just start. Absolutely. My husband always loved to say, set sail from here because we do make mistakes. We are not perfect. There's only one perfect parent, and that is our Heavenly Father. But we can certainly submit our lives to him. And if parents uh, have not been following him closely, there's no time like the presence to recommit your life to the Lord, recommit your kids to him. And uh, Jason, we're so grateful that you wrote this book. And I trust it'll be the start of a conversation in some households this weekend. And I would like nothing more than that. And I'm sure you would too. So uh, thank you so much for, for your wisdom in these things. You've clearly thought it through. God bless you and your Gen Z kids. StandStrongMinistries.org. And uh, keep in touch, Jason. We'd love to have you on again. Um, so that's it for uh, for this week. Another week we have wrapped up. We're into the month of November. Monday, Scott Scherer will be with us. Tuesday, Alex McFarland. That's a first for us. And Jason wrote a book with Alex, and we are going to be talking with him on all things apologetics and and his latest book as well. So um, I'm so glad you uh, joined me today. Uh, again, uh, stay with us on Stand Up. So many great topics coming up throughout the month of November. Um, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, and that is 1 Corinthians 15.58. And so I want to encourage you in the faith and also to have a great day on purpose. And Monday, tune in for a fresh new podcast with Scott Shera. Stand for the truth.com. 